1: Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota.
0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
1: mm
0: If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm only a a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but cannot have love I am nothing if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love I gain nothing love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres love never fails where there are prophecies they will they will cease where there are tongues they'll be stilled where there is knowledge it will it will pass away for we know in part and we prophesy in part but when perfection comes the imperfect disappears when i was a child I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13 Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm so happy to be with you today. I've just returned from Florida. I'll tell you more about that in a moment. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that his time had come that he was soon to leave the world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served. The devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. I'm suspecting that this action shocked the disciples. Usually a servant would be present to prepare the water, And to wash their feet. They wore sandals. Their feet were dirty, dusty from the dirt roads. It was refreshing in the heat, and it cleaned their stinky feet. And now there's no servant. I wonder if it even entered the disciples' minds that perhaps they should leave their place at the table and go. And be a servant to their brothers. I wonder if they even thought about that. Sometimes it doesn't even enter our mind. Someone else should be serving, not me. After all, I'm I'm a part of the inside people. I'm close to Jesus. I'm I'm somebody here. But Jesus took off his outer robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And then he began pouring water into a basin, and he knelt down in front of the disciples at their feet. They were reclining to eat. And he carefully and lovingly washed their feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around his waist. And he came to Simon Peter, and, and Simon said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. No, no, said Peter, I, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Peter did not want Jesus to wash his feet. I've experienced that. I have often held foot washing services with the church before the communion. And the response of some people You're not going to wash my feet, Pastor. Nobody's going to wash my feet. And I'm not going to wash anybody else's feet. They're dirty. They're germs. Men who live in the world are filled with pride. And they will not be a servant. And they will not be served sometimes. Peter said, not my feet, Jesus. You're not going to wash my feet. You're the master. You're the Lord. You're somebody. I'm nobody. Jesus knew who was going to betray him, and it would have been an astonishing sight to see Jesus kneeling at the feet of Judas when he knew what Judas was going to do in just a few minutes in going to the priests and being paid off to deliver Jesus and betray him. This was Judas's last chance. The devil had not yet entered into his heart, but he was tempted. He was angry. He had not been satisfied with the way Jesus had held his ministry together. He was not satisfied with the direction things were going, and he was very unhappy. Jesus knelt at his feet, began to tenderly rub them and wash them, scrub them. I'm sure in so doing he was seeing if he could catch Judas' eye, but it was averted. Judas was not going to look at him. When he finished washing their feet, he put his robe back on, and he returned to his place at the table. I'm sure there was a poignant moment of silence as he looked around, and I'm sure many averted their eyes and would not look at him. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I've chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am he. I tell you the truth. Whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. And after he said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. I tell you the truth, the one who is going to betray me today. One of you is going to betray me today. His disciples stared at one another at, at a total loss. Which of them would betray Jesus? I'm sure they had to search their own hearts. Will I betray Jesus? One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It's the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Judas took the bread and ate it and then got up from the table and deserted John very poignantly says as soon as Judas had taken the bread he went out and it was night. And it was night. Jesus gives us a very clear example of what it means to love one another. Love is not just some high emotion. Love is action. Without action, love is false. And betrayal comes. Real love demands service and action. Real love will separate the real from the false. Judas could not stand to be in the presence of Jesus and be so loved by him. This last weekend I was in Florida, Homestead, Florida, all the way south of Miami. I went to visit two of our faithful listeners and their mom Jose and Gino and mom. This family lives in a humble home without pretense. And they demonstrated love beyond measure. I have, in all honesty, never been loved like I was loved this last weekend. I experienced something there that was life-changing. Now, I'll often feel great love in my heart for brothers and sisters For pagans, but I'm a very reserved man, and often I will not demonstrate that love with hugs or in other ways. I think I got a thousand and one hugs from Gino and from Jose and even mom. The love that flows between them and the love that flows out to all of those around them is so astonishing to me. It was a witness of the presence of Jesus. I was there at their request to please come and baptize them. They became Christians 12 years ago. And they began to search for a church where they could be apart and where they could be baptized. But everywhere they went, they found either the sinning Christian or the prosperity gospel. Or they found a Jezebel spirit. They found people who did not understand who Jesus is today. Their hearts were filled with love and compassion and mercy. I tell you, they're the only family I know that knows how to deal with the homeless. When they see a homeless man, they go talk with him. They find out about what his situation is. If he's a druggie, they'll buy him a meal at Burger King. They don't want to give him money that he'll go spend on alcohol, but they will buy him food. And if he is not a druggie, if he's just had a very hard time, they'll boldly invite him to come and live in their home. And there they will love him with with constant care, encouragement, hugs, until he's back on his feet. And then off he goes to an established life with a job. That is what every homeless person needs, a hand up. Some will not receive it. Some reject it. But some will receive it eagerly. Of course, they found the same thing that Jesus found when he healed the the ten lepers, only one returned to say thank you, and that was a Samaritan. You don't give love expecting to get back gratitude. You give love because Jesus has given all that love to you. And you lay your life down and sacrifice for others. And so... I baptized three people at a park in the ocean. It was amazing when we got there. Immediately the lifeguard saw us all together, people dressed, and, and several of us headed for the water, and he stopped us, and he said, I'm sorry, are you planning a baptism? Yes. Well, you can't do a baptism because you have not made arrangements ahead of time, and then you have to do it after hours or before hours for the beach. And you have to have present two lifeguards. So I'm sorry, but I can't allow you to do a baptism. Well, immediately, Jose said, let's go to the office. And so off we went to the office. The head lifeguard was coming out of the office, and We told her what we wanted to do, and she said, I'm sorry, it's against the rules. We can't help you. You can't do that. And again, you'll have to make arrangements and pay the fee. We went in anyway to the office, and we spoke with one of the assistant managers. And she told us the same story, all the reasons why we could not do a baptism. And I'm praying and saying, Lord, you sent me here to do a baptism. Would you please arrange it? And finally, her heart softened a bit, and she said, well, you can talk to the park manager. So we talked with the park manager. And after hearing that I'd come from Virginia, limited time, he said to his assistant, what harm is it to let them do a baptism? They're not going to hurt anybody. And then he said, there's a very secluded place where you could have complete privacy. He told us where to go. He said, you'll need to talk to the to the head lifeguard, though, because she also has a say in the decision. And then strangely, he picked up the telephone, he called the head lifeguard, and he said, You know, I don't see any reason why we can't let these people do a baptism. So off we went, thanking and praising Jesus because we knew he had just opened the door for the baptism to take place. So we walked up to the very secluded place, and of course, there was a sign Beware of the alligators. He had warned us and said, don't let anybody drown. We don't want any trouble. Well, we didn't either. I had already preached to them, and Jose had been my translator. Most there spoke English. I'm sorry, most there spoke only Spanish. And I don't speak Spanish. So I preached in English and he did an awesome job translating for me. Again, we spoke briefly with the people and Jose and Gino gave their testimonies, powerful testimonies of grace and mercy and salvation. Numerous times they should have died and their escape from Cuba was dramatic. Life-threatening. God saved them sovereignly. So now they stood at the water's edge preparing to be buried, to die and be buried, and to be raised up in newness of life. It was a very rocky, rough area. The ocean was rough. We made our way out quite some distance, to a place where it was deep enough to do the baptism avoiding large rocks slipping and sliding and there i baptized one after another what an incredible joy filled my heart what joy filled their hearts And then we spoke about what the next step was, and it was clear the next step was for them to to announce a church service this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. and to open a church. Now they held many meetings in their home with homes with people between 20 and 30 people. They'd often studied and and ministered and pastored these precious ones that came. These are very strong men. These are men's men. So we spoke about what to do as they opened this church. I'll go back to Florida for an organizational meeting and to ordain them as elders, appointing them as elders of this new church. The new church is called the Church of the Brothers. The Church of the Brothers. Everyone was very excited about that. We'll see Sunday what happens. I'll keep you abreast as the Lord calls out this new church. What incredible joy and excitement in my heart to see these men and mom stand up for Jesus. Now what's interesting is They have a car business where they buy used cars at auction. And then the two men repair these cars and put them in order. Jose is the chief mechanic. He has a college degree as a mechanical engineer. But this is what God has given them. Gino, on the other hand, almost finished his degree in veterinary school. That's while they were in Cuba, but they escaped. That's a whole nother story, and perhaps soon I can do an interview with them, and they can tell you their stories. They also have in their backyard chickens, and about 12 different kinds of fruit trees, including avocado and all these wonderful Florida fruits. But the chickens I was most interested in, they had many stories about how chickens and people are very much alike. And then they began to tell me, and I can't tell you as they told me, I just enjoyed every moment of their fascinating story of their barnyard chickens and their wild chicken. The barnyard chickens are the ones that eat the food, lay an egg, and cluck, and strut around with each other. so at night, they sleep on a pole. But if during the night, because they can't see very well at night, if something happens that they fall off that pole, they just stay on the ground. <clears throat> and of course, they're prime targets then for a wild animal to eat them, whether it be an opossum getting in and eating the chicks or a raccoon or even a fox, somehow making his way in and having having his meal of chicken. Now I can't blame them. I also liked chicken and and they had their own chickens that they had butchered. And mom made a wonderful chicken soup. By the way, she is an incredible cook. Hospitality A plus plus plus. So they were telling me about these barnyard chickens that just cluck and eat, posture with each other, sometimes peck each other. Established pecking order. A four-pound hen is the head of the D. Nobody messes with her. (laughs) And then they were told about a wild chicken, and they decided they'd go try to catch it. They were able to catch this wild chicken that had lived out in the the fields where the chicken was very vulnerable to foxes and raccoons. She had a totally different attitude. She fought. She'd make such a commotion and such a noise and flap her wings and chase and peck any animal that dared come and try to enter in, steal her chicks. She took chicks under her wing. She was the protector and the fighter. Now they told me all of the barnyard chickens will not take care of their chicks after they've been brooded. Well, When they brought this wild chicken back, they isolated her for a time, let her become accustomed to what was happening. And then they put her in the enclosure with all the other chickens. Well, this chicken flew up to roost and promptly began to knock all the other chickens off. She wanted the roost to herself. Well, nobody could fight her. She was the wild warrior chicken. (laughs) People and chickens are so much alike. I immediately began to laugh and I said, you know what? Gino, Jose, the church is full of barnyard chickens. They're there to cluck and eat and posture. They don't know how to take care of the chicks and the chicks get eaten by the opossum or the fox or the raccoon. But nobody, but nobody is going to mess with this wild chicken. She promptly adopted, I think, 14 chicks and protected them under her wings, and no one could get close to them. She was the protector, the guardian. We need warrior chickens in the church today who will not roll over and just get eaten. We need warrior chickens who know how to squawk and make a fuss and say, no, that evil thing cannot come into our church. So when the pastor decides to bring in a worldly concert, so-called Christian music, hip-hop, or some other foolishness, if there are no warrior chickens in the church, he'll bring it in and everybody will roll over and pay the $10 or the 15 or the $20 to buy their ticket and go in and and sit there and cluck and eat. The reason there's no righteousness in the church today in America is there's no warrior chickens who say, look, stand up, be righteous. This is what is required by God. And of course, the pastors are barnyard chickens too. That's why this brother um, who's had these dreams, I forget his name, Coverdale, Why he's saying, pray for the backbone to come into the church again. Pray that the church will stand up and say, enough. No, we're not going to go there. We're not going to do that. And pastor, you're not going to pull this off. We're not going to have a concert and charge money in our church. We're not going to turn it into a house of prostitution. It's wrong. And we're not going to have entertainment in our sermons and stop the jokes, pastor. Enough is enough. Teach us the word of God. Walk holy before him. We want to go to heaven. We're not just here to cluck and eat. We're here to grow in Jesus, to be righteous, to be made righteous. Boy, that would be a a new deal in the church, wouldn't it? Probably get kicked out of most churches. barnyard hens might not like it. (laughs) Well, I tell you what, these precious friends, Jose, Gino, and Mom, gave me a thousand hugs in the time I was there. We laughed. We prayed. We talked about Jesus. We looked at the word. And they also did another thing. They completely remade my car. No, I didn't realize it, but it needed new brake rotors and new brake pads, so they replaced those. The side mirrors were broken on both sides. They had new mirrors. They replaced the old broken ones. There were sensors that were not functioning properly in the motor. They replaced those sensors. They replaced, I can't tell you how many burned out light bulbs. They gave it an entire tune-up, including new spark plugs. They cleaned up some ugly places on the body, the engine light turned on as I was making this trip down there. They found the problem with the engine light and it's repaired. They specialize in in finding electrical problems in the systems, in the computers, in cars. Then they replaced the serpentine belt. They said it was dry and making some noise. Incredible. It would have cost a fortune to have all of that work done. And they did it as a love gift. I'm not the only one that they treat with this kindness. Anyone who has great need, they treat with such kindness and mercy. I wish I could show you a video of them, of all three of them going to a home where there is a pastor sick and his wife. He's 87 years old. He started a very large mission organization, but when he grew too old, they kicked him out, kicked him to the side of the road and deserted him. So there have been times when they've not had adequate food and nutrition not had adequate money to take care of expenses. But these three stepped in and covered it all. And then mom goes and cooks for them and helps take care of them. I watched as they just all stood and put their arms around each other and their heads together and praised Jesus. Prayed and worshipped the Lord God of heaven. This man is sick, he's old, but he couldn't help dancing. He was so happy in Jesus. That's not to say anything about the 900 children they're taking care of on a monthly basis over in India, or the children and the families that they're caring for in their homeland, Cuba. They are very simple in their spending. No luxuries. Every penny is accounted for. And they use it to love other people, to minister to people. They don't have the modern conveniences that we would think necessary for two men and mom I think one is 40 and one is 42 years old. By the way, any women who are single in that age area, you want to get to know these men, call me. I'll I'll tell you how to reach them. They're incredible guys. And I'm praying that the Lord sends them a godly woman who will stand beside them. In the past, they were very wild, woolly Worldly men before they came to Jesus, but they've been transformed by his grace and the love they pour out. Wow. It's changed me. They have changed me. Their expressions of love and compassion, their sacrifice for the poor, their restraint in spending time on themselves is stunning. Wherever they go, they're looking for people to love and care for and talk to about Jesus. But it's not just talk, it's actions. It's lifting up the brokenhearted. It's I mean, they have story after story after story. They regale you with these wonderful accounts of grace and mercy and the life change that happened in that person because of their love. Now, I've always been friendly and caring for people, but I'm also an introvert. I'm, I'm very conservative in my emotions. They showed me that that must change that love must be shown and demonstrated in very concrete ways. And I do that very carefully and quietly without talking about it because the Lord said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Some of you listening have experienced the Lord's gift from Pilgrim's Progress and the National Prayer Chapel, and I'm grateful that we could do that. But beyond that, there has to be a real expression, not of cutting off, not of separating, not of putting up walls and and barriers. There must be an open expression of brotherly and sisterly love between God's people. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. A demonstration in reality. Jesus said, Now I'm going to show you what my love is, the fullness. And and so he got down on his knees and he washed their dirty feet. He didn't turn up his nose at them and say, Okay, Peter, you wash the feet tonight. It's your turn. No, he did it. He humbled his heart. I want the National Prayer Chapel to be a place like this. You know what I've experienced? I don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you what I've experienced at the prayer chapel. I've experienced people angrily saying, I don't like that. I've experienced people separating and cutting off because they don't like what I said or what I did. And sometimes I've been totally wrong. And it was a wonderful opportunity to show mercy and kindness for all that they had received. But instead they were angry and cut me off. Or cut off somebody else in the church. Or came with bitterness and criticisms and angry speech. I'm so sick of that in the body of Christ. One dear sister said, I've been so sheep bit in the church know what she was talking about, and then she I knew to get a sheep bite is from one sheep to another, a peck from one chicken to another, and there's lots of biting and pecking in the body of christ today and and posturing and and it's ugly it's horrendous so the the answer is let's just keep all separate and formal let's talk kindly to each other when we go to church with church people. Let's smile, let's be dressed right, and let's get out of there and go have lunch. That's why the church is dying. It's time to love each other. And I'm going to do that. I received a 1,001 hugs while I was in Florida. I'm going to be passing those out I'm going to be hugging everybody. I know it's time for the body of Christ to be healed. In John 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. This is right after he washes their feet. He's saying, love one another like I've loved you. Serve one another. Open your homes. Open your hearts. Don't cut people off. And one brother said to me, you know, Pastor, don't don't talk to my wife. Just talk to me. What? I've experienced so many things in the fear and and the separation and the How do we even talk about it? A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Or he said over here. In chapter 15. Let me begin reading for you verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I've been shy in many ways to lay down my life for my friends. I have repented of this. I lay down my life for those I love. And who do I love? Those who are willing to talk about Jesus. Those who are willing to serve him. Now there's a general love for the unsaved and a laying down of my life for them. Giving all I have for them. Taking care of whatever their needs are, and I do this. But there's a very special kind of love for God's people. We're not satisfied to just show up on Sunday and and go to service or to show up for a small group fellowship. No, find ways to love with gifts of service. In one church many years ago, during the time of the offertory, We set it up so that anyone could come forward and offer whatever love they wanted to offer to the congregation. I'll never forget one very wonderful physician came to the pulpit and he said I will give free medical care to anyone who does not have health insurance. Just call my office and make an appointment, and we won't charge you a dime and we'll take care of whatever you need. What an incredible gift. Another man came up and he said if if you're unable physically to mow your grass and take care of your yard call me I'll come over and mow your grass free of charge This was in a church of like 300 people We need a whole new standard of love These precious brothers and mom showed me that new standard of love I was I was so amazed And my heart was so grateful. (laughs) I had a wonderful time in Florida. I wish very much that I didn't have to come back because I don't experience this kind of love in Washington. And maybe that's because I've not shared that kind of love. But I want to tell you today, I will do everything I can to love you If there's anything I can do to help you, please call me. If I can do it, I will. This broadcast has to be about the body of Christ loving each other and learning how to die with Jesus and being born again in the fullness of his grace and his mercy. Well, we're almost out of time. Again, If Gino and and Jose and mom are listening, I love you and I thank you for the 1,001 hugs. You were awesome. And I look forward to coming back for an organizational meeting of this new church, the Church of the Brothers, and appointing and ordaining you as elders. (laughs) Well, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me by writing... National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 Again, that's National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 Thank you to each of you who has given to cover the cost of last month's radio. That money is now in hand. It is covered, and now we begin building the fund for the month of October. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Go to the upper right-hand corner, and you can click on that button, and you can give online. This is a faith ministry. It's a love ministry. Thank you. I love each one of you. I wish I could meet each one of you. I'm soon going to set a time when I can like to meet me and get a hug. God bless you. Praise God for you. I'll talk to you soon.